How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean Foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last Crunch Berry. No! No one steals my Crunch Berries. I think you mean my Crunch Berries. Choose your own Crunch Venture with Captain Crunch. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. All right, moving along. One thing I've been thinking about this week, the blue wall. No, not a literal blue wall. It's political slang for states in the industrial Midwest that, for the last 20 or so years, reliably voted Democrat. Until 2016, when Trump narrowly carried three of them. Hello, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Hello. Today, the consensus is that rebuilding that blue wall is the easiest, or maybe just the least risky way, for the Democratic nominee to win the White House in 2020. Here's why. If the Democratic nominee wins every state Hillary Clinton carried in 2016, well, that gets you to 232 electoral votes. Now add Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, and boom, the Democrat would win 278 electoral votes, eight more than the 270 needed to win. Just as important, it means Democrats don't need to sweat Ohio or Florida. They could lose both of those electoral-rich states and still win the election. So let's start with Michigan. Donald Trump carried the Wolverine state in 2016 by less than 11,000 votes. And it's going to be the toughest for him to win again in 2020. A recent WDIV Detroit News poll found that Trump's job approval in the state was a bleak 38 percent favorable to 53 percent unfavorable. More ominously for the president, his job approval rating among independent voters in Michigan was just 43 percent, with 50 percent disapproving. And independent voters are key for Trump to win Michigan again, according to... Bernie Porn, president of Epic MRA, a polling firm in Michigan. No question about it. Uh, For Trump to win in Michigan, he will have to win among independent voters. And that is going to be a tremendous uphill climb for him. But, 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 but the polls. Didn't all the polls in 2016 show Hillary winning the state? Why should we trust the polls now? Here's Bernie Porn again. Michigan voters were as much against Hillary Clinton in terms of her favorability numbers, high unfavorables, as they were in favor of Trump. That is the biggest reason uh, why uh, he was able to sneak up and win in Michigan. Well, that enthusiasm gap, it wasn't there in 2018, and Trump can't count on just getting his voters out to be enough to win again in 2020. An analysis of the 2018 vote in Michigan by the Detroit Free Press found that turnout in the state was higher than any other non-presidential year going back decades. And yes, that turnout was higher everywhere, including rural areas and other areas where Trump did well in 2016. But turnout was particularly notable in some big Democratic areas. In other words, Trump juicing his base only works if Democrats once again fail to be inspired to vote. Heading west to Wisconsin, things are also looking a bit murky for President Trump. A Marquette University poll in mid-January found Trump's job approval rating underwater by eight points. More dangerously, almost 50 percent of voters in the state said they'd definitely vote against Trump in 2020. 
Now, Wisconsin was another one of those states where the polling was wrong in 2016. But what Trump had in 2016, solid enthusiasm from his base, plus tepid support for Clinton among Democrats, is at this point no longer the reality. Now, we don't have much recent polling in Pennsylvania, but a January morning consult survey pegged Trump's job approval in the state at minus 10. Now, it's another state where the polling was off in 2016, and again, pollsters in the Keystone State, like the ones in Michigan and Wisconsin, point to an underestimation of enthusiasm for Trump as a key factor in their miss. So, what were the three most important factors in Trump's success in those three blue wall states? Ambivalent voters who disliked both presidential nominees, tepid enthusiasm from Democrats for their nominee, and tremendous support and energy from Republicans for their nominee. And that's the takeaway here. As we look to 2020, we know that Trump continues to enjoy solid support from his base. But now Democrats are at least equally energized to get out and vote against him. This leaves the battle for the ambivalent voter as the most important piece of the 2020 strategy. Trump's done little in its tenure in office to woo those not already in his base. The only question now is if Democrats will nominate a candidate who can appeal to those voters, or if they choose a flawed candidate who will once again force these voters into having to decide between the best worst choice. You can read my full analysis at cookpolitical.com. Stick around. There's more politics with Amy Walter after the break.